Welcome back to the Breastfeeding Talk podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Kinser, and I'm super excited to bring our special guest on today. We have Rachel Mitchell, and she is the founder of My Sweet Sleeper, and she's a certified pediatric and maternity sleep consultant, a former night nanny, and a mom of six. And My Sweet Sleeper was born shortly after she had her first child 10 years ago. So when Rachel was a young mother, she actually struggled to juggle working and taking care of her new baby while running on very little sleep, even though her son was generally a good sleeper. I'm sure there's lots of you that can relate. She realized at that time that there was so little information out there about sleep and how valuable it would have been for her going home with her brand new baby. So since she started her company, she's worked with thousands of families all over the world and has had the rewarding experience of helping their children get sleep, which means she also was able to get sleep for her clients. And it's truly an amazing profession, just like it is for me to be a lactation consultant. So I'm really excited to bring her on for this incredible conversation. And what I love most about Rachel's approach is that it's so breastfeeding friendly. And I find so often that there are sleep consultants out there who have little to no education on any type of infant feeding practices and what's normal and what's optimal. But Rachel has really taken it upon herself and been in the field longer than pretty much anybody I know. And I just wanted to add this little tidbit because Rachel and I have connected on a personal level as well. And I just love her and her philosophy of life. And when she's not saving families from sleep deprivation, you can also find her sipping some hot coffee, just like me, running along the beach. Unfortunately, I don't have one of those near me and working in her yard and hanging out with her husband and kiddos. They live just outside of Boston and are pretty much a modern day Brady family, Brady Bunch family with six kids between them. So without further ado, here is Rachel to talk to you about sleep. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Kinser, and for the past five years, I've been helping families all around the globe to overcome their breastfeeding challenges. And this is the first non-clinical breastfeeding podcast that shows you how to rock breastfeeding and master motherhood through practical tips, mindset shifts, and honest conversation to create a confident and empowering breastfeeding journey. This is the Breastfeeding Talk Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Rachel. I'm so excited to have you with us today. And I know that one thing I want to share, because this is audio, but just so our listeners know, we are actually both recording from our bedrooms because this is where it's nice <laughs> and quiet. And I just wanted to share that so no one thinks that like we have this all perfectly scripted out or whatever. We're moms. This is real life, just like the rest of you who are listening. And you're probably listening while you're nursing a baby or cooking or going to the bathroom. I don't know where you are right now, but... Um, I just wanted to give a warm welcome to Rachel because she's got some incredible information to share about sleep today. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be here. And yes, very true. I find myself hiding in my bedroom more these days than usual just to get some some quiet space. Yeah. No, I mean, it's what we have to do sometimes, right? So, um, and I wanted to have you on this episode because I love your philosophy and the way you teach parents about sleep, but also because, you know, I get a lot of uh, direct messages from people on Instagram or emails or comments and things. And sometimes I'll ask just, you know, what do you want to hear as a listener of the podcast? And no one has really mentioned sleep. And I thought that's funny because I'm pretty sure everybody would love to have an episode about infant sleep and breastfeeding. And so you know, I, I hope I'm reading people's minds with this, but I, Rachel and I were talking about that, that, you know, there may be a reason why people aren't necessarily asking for uh, more information on sleep. And if you could talk about that, Rachel, I think you're spot on. Yeah, absolutely. I do think there, you know, obviously when people come to our community or they're following us on Instagram and reading our information articles and such, they openly are saying, you know, my baby is not sleeping, please help me, or I am not sleeping. But I do think there can be sort of a stigma in other, you know, just generally that people 
don't always come out and say, I'm really having trouble sleeping, or they almost feel shame or guilt around hiring someone or, or talking about it. And to be honest, I also feel that we've had to do a lot of work to sort of untrain our minds to think that it is this, you know, acceptable thing to run on, you know, five or six hours of sleep or to think that we are superhuman and only need to operate on a certain amount of sleep when the reality reality is most of us are not getting the sleep that we need. So there's also an education piece to that, that I hope that we all can sort of take away from this as well. Yeah. You know, I wish that I had known about you when I had my first baby because I was so sleep deprived. I thought I was going to die. I mean, I remember just being awake with my son in the morning and he is just happily playing, you know, on his little play mat or whatever. And he's probably just, you know, a few months old, you know, starting to roll over or whatever. And I was falling asleep and you know, and then my brain was like, well, you got to watch him. What if, you know, he starts rolling away or whatever. And I just, I couldn't stay awake. And I just remember thinking that my body just felt like my, it felt like a strain on my heart and just all my organs. And I felt so out of it. And I just powered through like, well, this is what it's like to be a mom of a baby. And, you know, I just have to respond to his every need. Otherwise I will corrupt him or something. I don't know what I had in my head. I don't really remember because I think I actually don't have a lot of memories of that time because I was so sleep deprived. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I really just thought I have, this is the way I have to do it and I can do anything and it will be fine. And obviously today I'm fine, but I took a totally different approach with my daughter where I was like, there is no way that I could repeat that. That is just not good for me. And so I guess I'm, I'm curious you know, my, my journey of not only the sleep deprivation, obviously, but I had such a hard time breastfeeding him that led me to become a lactation consultant. What led you to become a sleep consultant? Yeah, good question. So the path that I, where I really arrived at becoming a sleep consultant was sort of in many different ways. And in some ways all at once, but in some ways it was a path that took, you know, sort of a while. So I, in college, I was studying simultaneously human and child development and marketing. And I, I really knew that I wanted to work with children in some capacity, but I also really had this business side that I wanted to exercise. And so I'm one of the few that actually like combined my two, you know, my two degrees or education. And so that was, you know, one of the things was my education school. When I learned more about it, I was really interested in sleep. I really had an interest in the way that the brain develops, the way that children's development progresses. And then I also was a night nanny. And I think that was really what catapulted me into this profession is that I was, you know, so the difference with a night nanny is you're going over to the, the family's home. You're typically staying with them, you know, overnight, anywhere between three to five nights per week. You're taking care of the baby's you know, days after they get home from the hospital until they're usually about three months or so. And parents were sharing with me, you are literally saving us. You're saving our jobs. You're saving our relationships. You're, you're providing sanity. Just the fact that you are here and you're able to be here with the babies so that we can still go to work and that type of thing. And then they started asking me for a lot of advice that I was able to give based on experience, but really felt like I need to really become more knowledgeable in this area and become, and you know, get certified. And so that's when I sort of looked into programs and really, you know, became a sleep consultant as a profession. Yeah, that's, that's so exciting. And, you know, you were really in the thick of it if you were a night nanny, because... (laughs) While everyone else is sleeping, you're the one that's up with the baby. So, um, no, that's, that's such important information to share. And I would love for you to chat about, you know, I think there's this, this hesitation for moms who are breastfeeding where they think, oh, that's only something that maybe a mom who exclusively pumps or formula feeds could ever do. But you know, can you speak to how breastfeeding moms can also, whether it's if they want to hire a night nanny or just to, you know, facilitate certain sleep things 
you know, wherever you want to go with the answer to that question. But I think there is definitely a hesitation from the breastfeeding mom community of like, well, I can't, you know, breast milk digest more quickly and I'm the only one that can feed the baby. So, so how do they start to approach a different, um, you know, way of encouraging their baby to sleep? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. You know, I would, I would say that a lot of women in particular are usually quite surprised when we start bringing breastfeeding into the conversation, which is typically, you know, fairly early on, because that's a really big part of motherhood. If, you know, if that's on their journey that I, I feel like sometimes it's just permission that you absolutely can work on sleep and still breastfeed. You know, I think a lot of parents have this idea in their mind that working on sleep suddenly, you know, is going to mean 12 consecutive hours of sleep and uninterrupted. And that's not possible if I'm breastfeeding. And so where I sort of try to bring this in the conversation is setting the, setting realistic expectations that actually many babies that are well, you know, past six, seven, even eight months are still taking a feed overnight. And that's perfectly fine. If your baby is sleeping, you know, 10, 11, 12 hours at night, waking up once to feed and then going back to sleep, that's still, you know, in my opinion, a very good sleeper, a baby that's getting the sleep that they need. It's maybe not ideal for mom to wake up and have to feed in the middle of the night if, you know, especially if, he, if she has trouble falling back asleep. But for the most part, that's normal. And I think a lot of parents are surprised to hear that because they think as soon as they start really working on sleep, that means they have to stop breastfeeding or that means they have to get up and pump. And while they can do those things, if that's what they're wanting to do and baby is ready for that, then there are also ways that we can help them do that or, or some like you can help them do that. But I'm very honest about the fact that our daughter held on to her 5 a.m. feed until she was a year. And I never tried to take that from her because I knew she needed it. And she always went right back to sleep after I gave it to her. But she slept fabulously. And I wouldn't consider that a major interruption. So I think it's really important to understand that sleep teaching or training or whatever you want to call it does not mean that you have to stop breastfeeding. It doesn't mean that you have to night wean all of a sudden. Um, and in fact, I always say that breastfeeding and sleep go hand in hand from the beginning. And when we talk about it in the newborn stage, for example, I absolutely encourage women to breastfeed their babies to sleep in the newborn stage because that is completely natural and normal and to not be worried about creating a habit because in the newborn stage, your babies really aren't making those associations yet. So there's just a lot of, I think, the information out there or approaches that say something different. And so the way that we approach it is just, you know, that we want to promote both of those relationships. And I love that you brought that up because you, I didn't want it to just be me saying these things because I, I know the same things that you just said, but it's so good for someone like you who's certified as, you know, a sleep consultant and, and really has so much education and training experience around these topics to say that, you know, I have so many moms, they might have like a two week old baby and like, why well, no, I'm not supposed to nurse him to sleep or he falls asleep breastfeeding. And I'm like, yeah, they're meant to do that. Like it's the best, easiest way to comfort them during that time. And, you know, they're nursing more than ever usually at that stage. So I'm so glad that you're just validating that. And you know, I think one of the things I'd love for you to talk about is it, it sounds to me like what you're saying is that the expectations going into motherhood are really important. Like, like I think I went into it with none. And so I just was like, okay, I'm sleep deprived, whatever. But I know many go into it going, well, it's some, it, you know, th th why is the baby waking up so often? And I have a lot of moms who are often very surprised about even just the first few days, week of life with their baby where they seem to be confused as to why their baby is feeding so often and, but also sleeping a lot. And so there's, I know it's a fine line and, and sometimes it takes working with someone individually, but there, there seems to be this misconception where I'll get someone who's panicked and they'll say, 
you know, my baby eats and then falls asleep and they're just sleeping all the time. And I'm like, well, how often are they eating? And they'll be like every couple hours. And I'm like, well, unless they're going five, six hours, you know, you might want to wake them up more often and feed them. But there's this misconception that newborns, especially, especially not first week, shouldn't be sleeping as much or shouldn't be eating as often. And I'd love for you to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, I think a lot of the reason why there are those questions, and I always call them the, is, is this normal question? Because I get so many of those questions. Is this normal? Is there really is not a lot of literature or information provided about sleep when you are leaving the hospital or, you know, even birthing centers or, you know, there are in many places there is you know, an IBCLC or someone, a nurse that's coming in and speaking with you about breastfeeding. It's typically a very quick conversation. But in my experience, really the only thing that's provided about sleep is safe sleep practices, which is obviously very important. But you're sort of, you know, for a first time mom, when you're going home, I remember, you know, my oldest is 10. And as a first time mom, I definitely had, I mean, even as a previous night nanny or a night nanny at that time, I still was pretty clueless as to, you know, quote unquote, what is, what was normal. And my baby, I just happened to have a a baby that slept constantly. And I always had a hard time keeping him awake for feeds. And I really didn't have a lot of knowledge as to how to do that. And so I remember calling, you know, the, the, pediatrician's office and asking, is this normal? And I really think it goes back to just that obviously we, I mean, we live in a in different time period where you can go online and you can pretty much find any information that you need, but there's also a lot of conflicting information. And there are methods that will tell you, you know, get them on a schedule from the beginning. Otherwise they'll never sleep well and, and you'll be up all night and you'll be feeding throughout the night. And so sometimes you're having to re-educate people about that as well. So I think a lot of it comes down to the education and, you know, in some ways our technology driven culture is a good thing. And in some ways it can, you know, we find that it can be sort of a challenge, but I think it's so important just in general for every single parent to just understand that every baby is also so different. There are going to be babies who need to be fed more often in the newborn stage. And there are babies who sleep naturally more often and they're harder to wake up from sleep or they're harder. They, you know, they don't eat as, you know, it seems like they don't eat as well because they eat slower. They eat, you know, they fall asleep at the breast and things like that, which I'm sure you know. And so I think it's all, you know, so much of it is managing expectations and just giving them the accurate information that's based on research that's based on experience that's not just anecdotal like oh this is what worked for my baby but really is you know rooted in in fact and that can be hard to sift through i think with with all the information out there mm, yeah i agree I, I think if you you could replace the word sleep with breastfeeding and i would totally agree with everything you're saying because you know i think about you know so much of it is just that baby and they're sort of disposition and personality. And then there's definitely, you know, unsolicited or sometimes solicited, you know, mom friends, mom group advice that's out there. Oh, well, you know, I, I know there's a a woman I'm friends with and she's like, Oh, from day one, we get on a schedule and we do this and that and whatever. But I also see how restricted her life is. Like she can't, you know, the, the timer goes off and she's like, okay, I have to go because it's time for a nap or it's bedtime. And I'm like, wow, you don't have really any flexibility in your life. And I just, that's not me as a person. So I think it's, you know, one of those things you have to take into account, um, when you're wanting to plan this, but I, I hear you saying education is key. And it really sounds like parents could certainly use this education before the baby comes, because once the baby comes, you're trying to troubleshoot, right? But you probably want to be proactive with it. Yeah. And you know, that's why, so we have a newborn class that we've created, which is not a sleep training class. We talk a lot about how it's just setting the foundations of sleep. It really is the tools that you need in your toolbox to really 
help set your baby up for success from the beginning. And we go over a lot of those questions. What is normal? You know, what should my baby, what expectations should I have of my baby in this stage? But also how you really can, you know, lay those foundations so that your baby has a healthy sleep foundation to draw upon. Because don't get me wrong, there are, you know, once once the child gets older and sort of exits the newborn stage, we do want to get them on some, you know, we want them to follow patterns. We want there to be some structure. Things can't just operate in a chaotic way. Otherwise, sleep is always going to feel in spurts and disheveled and everyone's going to be tired. So it's important that we do lay those healthy foundations from the start, but at the same time, we have to manage those expectations. And so I always encourage pregnant women and and families to take our newborn class during pregnancy so that they you know, can watch the information, especially if they're a first-time parent and they have the time to do that as opposed to when they're taking care of a newborn and they're in that newborn fog. So like, like you said, and like I said, we, you can really focus on the education piece and you feel a little bit prepared. You feel like, just like with your birthing class, okay, I went over this, you know, in the class, I, I remember this part about sleep environment and you can, you know, some prepare some things ahead of time. Yeah. You don't want to start taking the birthing class when your water breaks. So it's kind of the same thing here. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. People love to ask me, when's the best time to work with you? And I'm like, well, now, you know, when you ask the question is the best time. But um, one thing that came to mind was I'm curious if you've noticed anything with the families you work with in terms of like, you mentioned you had a good word for it now. I forget what it was, but basically, you know, setting up like a good sleep foundation and routine and, and things like that. Do you find that there's parents that really don't have a good sleep foundation themselves and then they're struggling more with getting that going for their infants? Or do you not see any relation to that at all? Yes. I'm glad you asked that question because 100% yes. One of the things that the one of the questions I ask in the intake process when I'm working with families is how you know, tell me about your routine, tell me about your sleep. And sometimes I'll get the response, well, this is about my child's sleep, not my sleep. And but when I understand the habits of the parents, I understand the priorities in the household. And so, you know, just for example, if parents are going to sleep at 11 o'clock at night and getting up at you know, 6 a.m. and they're feeling tired because that sleep is also broken up because they're having to get up, you know, with the baby and they're not prioritizing bedtime or they're watching TV until late hours of the night or they don't have a routine. All of these things affect the way they're able to interact with their child when it comes to sleep. So if they're not making it a priority, it's unlikely that they can do the same with their child effectively. So that is one thing, you know, when I'm, when I'm working with parents, we're very much focused on the child and that really is the focus. But at the same time, parents should take a zoomed out look at their own sleep habits and see where they can make some changes as well. Because most adults, they go to bed too late, they consume too many electronics close to bedtime and they're not getting their most restful sleep. And the thing I tell parents too, I, I relate it to like, it, when you have me, when I'm here to support you, then this is the time that you want to be, you know, getting your, focusing on your own rest too. Because if I'm giving you all the tools to help your baby sleep and your baby's sleeping fabulously, but you're not sleeping, what, I mean, that's great for your baby, but then like, what's the point of having me, you know, because then you're still not sleeping. So the goal is not just, I always tell parents, the goal is for your entire family to get better sleep. So that's you included. That's not just your baby because you're the one taking care of this baby. So if you're not your best as a parent, that is a, that's going to be a challenge long-term. And so we we're really working simultaneously on parent sleep as well. Mm, yeah, that's so great. In the same way that I say, you know, if you're trying to help your children eat healthy, but you're eating greasy fast food every day, that's not, that's not really setting the best example, but it's also not, 
it's not putting everyone on the same page in terms of what your family priorities are. So it's just important to be consistent, even when you have an itty bitty baby, when you think, well, this newborn has no idea what I'm, you know, what our sleep habits are. It's, you know, it's still important to be consistent. No, I, I totally agree with that. And I, I really find this when you get into some of the just, you know, parenting literature and research for when you have a toddler and a preschooler and they get older and, you know, our kids learn more from us by observing us and seeing what we're modeling for them. But it really does begin in infancy. And parents who are very high strung, I see babies who are very high strung. And I don't think it's genetic. It's just that the baby can pick up on so much from its caregivers. And we don't intentionally do it. And we think, okay, well, I'll sacrifice myself for the benefit of my child. But like you're saying, if a baby sleeps well, that's great. But if you're still not sleeping, what's the point, right? So um, I, I love that you said that. And I wanted to ask this question because I, I could think of a really good friend of mine right now who's struggling. Actually, I referred her to work with you. So hopefully she has, oh. but she has a toddler that is still nursing. And I have a lot of listeners of this podcast with older babies. And so either, well, pretty much they, I, I don't like to use this word, but I'll just say they've probably failed to implement any sort of sleep routine. They've just breastfed on demand for the last year, year and a half. And now they're so beyond sleep deprived and their nursing toddler, they don't want to wean, but they feel like if I don't night wean or if I don't wean completely, I'm just never, this isn't ever going to end. I'm going to be, you know, just woken up all the time. I'm not going to get enough sleep. And I've definitely worked with clients on this aspect of things and, and helped with night weaning. And I have a whole episode of the podcast on weaning, but what, I think there's a lot of parents that get to that stage and they feel like, is it too late? Now it's just all or nothing. And you know, they're, you know, they're just at their wits end. They're shutting their toddler in a room and letting them scream and cry and they just don't know how to handle it. So is there hope for those parents? Does it mean they have to wean from breastfeeding completely? This is, this is such a great question because I do think we see people who think, well, I guess this is just my life because it's too late now. And the thing is, it's never too late to work on healthy sleep habits. We just have to understand that the longer this child has had these habits, the longer it's going to take to introduce new habits. It is easier to work with a five-month-old than it is to work with a three-year-old because of obvious reasons. They've had years of building up these habits, you know, with a toddler or a three-year-old as opposed to, you know, an infant. But there are so many things that you can do, you know, to promote healthy sleep at that age and the toddler stage. A lot of it parents have to remember has to do with boundaries and how they can hold those firm boundaries and how they interact with their child in a way that is loving them by implementing those boundaries. You know, what I usually see is that there are also challenges with boundaries outside of the sleep relationship. So there could also be issues with behavior. Um, there could be some challenges when you really dig into the, to the relationship that I notice that we have to really talk about those things too, because otherwise, you know, sleep is not an exception when we look at the child's behavior. Um, it's really an extenuation of the child's behavior throughout the day. So there are things like that that we have to address that are obviously very different than an infant, but it's definitely not too late. Parents just need to be willing to put in the work. And to answer your question about weaning, it, every, every family is so different. If that was their goal, then that's something we could certainly talk about. I always want to make sure we're on the same page with goals. And that we're not, I'm not assuming they want to wean if that's not really what they're wanting to do. But, it, you know, they, if that's not a goal of theirs, that's, that's not something they have to do. Like I said before, you can, you can address sleep habits and have a healthy sleeper without having to stop breastfeeding or without having to completely wean off of night feeds. 
But uh, again, parents just need to understand that it's going to take time and there are going to have to be boundaries and it's going to be hard. It's not an easy process by any means. It takes commitment and it's something that they have to really be committed to doing. Mm, I, yeah, I love that you said it's, it's definitely not too late. It may take longer for sure. Um, I tell people that with breastfeeding, you know, if you wait until six months to get started with getting help, then, you know, we can still turn things around, but it's going to take more time most of the time. And yeah, I love that, you know, you're really working with parents on their goals because that's always what's important is that, you know, Rachel and I think are very similar in the way we work with families where, you know, my, my goal isn't for you to exclusively breastfeed. If you tell me you want to, you know, not pump when you're at work and give formula. Okay. Like let's work with that. So I love that. And I, I like that you related sleep to not just being something isolated. I think so many people think, oh, well, sleep's the problem, but everything else is going great. But when we really dig into it, and I, I could say this for myself too, where when you are tired and when you get woken up in the middle of the night and your cortisol surges or whatever, you don't handle things the best. You don't interpret things in the most calm, peaceful, loving way if you're in that state. So then you might see sleep as the only problem, but during the day, the other boundary issues or other things that are coming up, you don't necessarily see as so problematic or you're, or you're more sort of primed to be able to work through those things, but there's always some sort of a correlation for sure. And I also wanted to ask this question, maybe we can tease it out together, but there's times when I get contacted by someone for a consultation and it's, it's like I have to weed out like what are the actual breastfeeding or feeding problems and what's actually a sleep problem. And sometimes I wouldn't say anybody's disappointed. I explained to them, hey, you need to also work with someone else on, on this because it's not really my area. So I can help address the feeding things. But, but I think sometimes breastfeeding gets blamed for a lot of things. And moms will sort of think, well, if I just give up breastfeeding, then, you know, this issue will be fixed. And sometimes that is sleep. Sometimes it's other things. Um, but likewise, I wonder if you also see people reaching out to you for help with sleep, but you find out, oh, it's a breastfeeding problem or a feeding problem or, or something else. Yeah, absolutely. And I do the same and, you know, refer them to you and to other providers because, you know, I think the, the thing that every, I've been in this field for 10 years, which this, the world or sort of profession of sleep consulting is fairly new. So a lot of the sleep consultants that you speak with are five years and under. And what I have seen in, in these 10 years is that parents tend to get very quick advice that, that isn't necessarily rooted or isn't unique to their situation. And so when I dig in and I ask, I ask so many questions. I spend a very good you know, deal of time asking parents questions to make sure that I'm getting to the root of the challenge. And I would say that most of the time when I'm working with families, the initial issue that I thought was present is actually something else. And a lot of the time it can be something like breastfeeding issues or weight gain issues or something that needs to be addressed by a medical provider like an IBCLC or a pediatrician. And so I have had to refer people out and say, listen, we do need to work on sleep, but at the same time, there's this other thing going on that that's, you know, this part of sleep is never, is always going to be an issue until this gets, gets resolved. And sometimes, like I, like I said, I see that with weight gain, or I see that with that baby is, you know, reflux is something that I deal with a lot when baby has reflux and the sort of traditional sleep tips or guidance and, and such sort of look very different with a baby with reflux. And that if that's never addressed, sleep is always going to be a challenge. And so there are times, and I know a decent amount about breastfeeding and formula feeding and, and that type of thing, but when it requires more intervention, then I do have to refer them out so that we can and I'm happy to work with the provider in tandem as well, but it's so important to be aware that, you know, breastfeeding and sleep and, and other things like behavior and all those other things, those are all affecting 
you know, they really all go hand in hand and sort of if you have one area that's really out of whack, then it's going to affect the other areas as well. So it's really just like looking at our, our health holistically and understanding that rarely is it just a diet problem or just a sleep problem or just, you know, X problem. So that's just important for everyone, I think, to understand as they're looking at, at these issues holistically. Yeah, I I love that. We really do have to look at everything holistically. And sometimes I'll be giving parents advice about something that I'm like, hey, you know, you can't be nursing in the dark with your bright iPhone next to you and your baby's face. They're probably not going to really fall asleep very well, you know, or they're going to wake up in 20 minutes or whatever. So I, you know, I love that. And actually speaking of electronics, you had mentioned how you know, sometimes parents are on way too many electronics before they go to bed. And there's so many contraptions and devices and all these things for babies that parents can spend so much money on. And I'm sure it's a balance, but do you find that there are, that technological innovation in the world of baby sleep has helped with baby sleep? Or do you think a more simplistic approach is more beneficial? Or a combination? That's a great question. I do think it's a combination, but I, I really promote the simpler, the better. So especially when you're setting up your child's room, I see extravagant nurseries that have things hanging from the walls. And, you know, I walk in and I'm like, wow, this nursery is beautiful, but no person would ever be able to sleep in here. It's so distracting. And so I think it's important for parents to understand that if the goal is for our baby to sleep in their room or in our room, you know, for the first six months or so, then we need to walk into that space and really have it feel promoting of sleep. And if you have things that are lighting up and things that are making noise or things, like I said, that are distracting, that's not going to help your baby sleep well in that environment. And so I think it's a challenge because there are more things constantly. There are just bigger and better. And, you know, I think a lot of the brands do well in their marketing campaigns of really, you know, convincing you why you need this product when really, when we look at the history of, of babies and the history of parenting, we didn't have any of these things. We did not have monitors. We did not have um, rocking bassinets. And I'm not to, not to say that I wouldn't recommend those things because, you know, I use a monitor. There are things that can be helpful and, and technology has, has really helped us in so many ways, but we have to be really careful with how much of that we bring in and make sure that we're only using technology when it's necessary and that we're only using it, um, in a way that's going to promote sleep and not be distracting. And that's, I think the most important thing is making sure that we're not distracting our babies. And I say the screen thing too, because just like you mentioned that, you know, you have your bright iPhone light. A lot of parents don't think that, well, I'm the one looking at my phone or I'm the one watching TV. My baby, you know, is not affected by that, but your baby is 100% affected by that. You're, if, if they're watching, if you're sitting by a window and you're watching TV and you think your baby's sleeping on your shoulder, but the reflection of the TV is coming up the window, um, that's not promoting a dark, healthy environment for your baby. So we have to think about those things too and just understand that there has to be a balance. And, you know, it doesn't mean you can't own a TV or that you can't ever look at devices and such, but you just need to be careful that those types of things are not getting in the way of your baby sleep or you sleeping healthily. Mm, yeah, that's super important. I think I was that parent with my first that thought, you know, well, I'll get him, get my baby to sleep on my shoulder or in the baby carrier. And then I can watch walking dead with my husband. And, you know, as long as I'm holding him, he'll stay asleep. And he did, but then he would wake up and be up to like 11 or midnight. And <laughs> It was really bad, you know? And so at that point, then I was tired and I wanted to go to sleep and I couldn't. And so, 
you know, I wish I had known better. You know, I wanted my time, right? I wanted the me time or the time with my husband, but um, I definitely, and then I think also too, like you said, I probably tried to make the the nursery more of a playroom than a sleeping area. And so, like you said, you can find these beautiful, wow, look at this amazing nursery, except it's totally not a place where your baby's going to sleep. Yeah. So yeah, I so many good just points that you've made. And I feel like, you know, I, I guess I would love to hear, you know, maybe just one thing, which is like when people come to you, help with sleep, what do you find is the biggest challenge that they're facing? Well, that's a good question. To be honest, I think the biggest challenge that they're facing is just second guessing themselves. And they're just so unsure of the next step. They're really just you know, I have a lot of moms in particular that say, I, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. I think I'm messing up my baby. I think I'm, I'm the cause of their sleep issues, or I did this. Was that wrong? Should I not have done that? And to be honest, I joke sometimes with families that when I'm working with them, you didn't even need me. You just needed me to provide you to be your cheerleader and to support you and encourage you, but you really were doing all the things that helped your baby ultimately get the sleep in your end. Well, what was different was when you were working with me, you were consistent instead of second guessing everything you did. And I always say that my goal at the end of working with families is to, for them not to need me anymore. And I find that in the beginning, I'm the one giving them guidance. And at the end, they're the ones telling me what's going to happen and just confirming with me. And I think that's the thing with so many families. And it just really goes back to all the things we've talked about, just the education piece, the sort of conflicting information you can find online, just really making sure that if your child is struggling with sleep, that the most important thing that you take into consideration is that you know your baby best. And a book or a article on the internet cannot tell you exactly what you should do for your baby because your baby's not a robot. So you really need, that's why the one-on-one support is so valuable because it really, it's human interaction and it's myself or one of our other sleep consultants that can dig into this for you. And I feel like it's very similar in your profession as well. Totally. Yep. It's very much the same. Yeah. So I would really say that's, that's really the thing is to understand that that piece to me is invaluable because you can stop second guessing and really just start to give your baby what they need. And a lot of parents are so surprised after just working together for a week, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm finally giving my baby what they actually needed instead of trying to force this other thing on them that wasn't helpful at all because I read it in a book. Um, so I would say that's really sort of my fast advice, if you will, that, that I would give to new parents or just parents in general. Yeah, I, I love that. And, and I think we have similar goals when we work with people is exactly, I don't, I don't want you to need me forever. Um, no offense, but I really don't want to work with you for a year. <laughs> I shouldn't have to, but no, I, I love everything you do. And I wanted just for listeners to be able to know, obviously we've talked about this uh, throughout the conversation, but you do work with people one-on-one, but you also have some online courses. So just tell our listeners a little bit about how you help families with sleep. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, I have a newborn and a four to 12 month class. And then we are in the process of launching our toddler sleep class, which will probably be November. And really what these classes are meant to do are to give you really helpful guidelines to buy your baby's age and help you set, like I said, those healthy foundations and also to understand and manage expectations when it comes to sleep. So these classes were really reviewing things like setting up a healthy sleep environment, following awake windows, what a schedule might look like, 
how to incorporate breastfeeding and nutrition, how to follow a routine, things like that, that are, you know, we do our best to give you guidance based on where your baby might be developmentally, but it's obviously not as unique as one-on-one. Um, but those classes are really a nice budget-friendly option for parents who just need to know the, you know, more of the basics and they need to lay those healthy foundations. Or if they're like, I don't even know where to start because I haven't done any, anything with my baby. I've just been doing, you know, whatever they want to do and I need to start somewhere, then the classes are a great option. Our one-on-one support is really meant for families who they really need, you know, that one-on-one guidance. And it may be that the parent feels like that's how they're going to learn better, or they feel like they're not really a do-it-yourself kind of person, but they need someone to sort of um, help them take that second guessing out of the picture and really guide them through the process. And so, and or our one-on-one options can be really great for very unique babies. Like when you really feel like you're dealing with a complex issue, like trying to to move from co-sleeping or even like you mentioned earlier, like um, issues with the toddler when your child is older, that type of thing. So, um, and then we have many free resources on our website as well. And you can go to our blog section and search almost any, you know, article topic and find the topic that you're looking for. Just understanding that again, it's more general advice as opposed to the one-on-one, you know, work that, which I really do. I, that's really where I feel like a lot of the the deeper work happens. And that's when families are like, wow, my baby is actually taking two hour naps and sleeping 10 to 12 hours at night because we really, we were able to work one-on-one to make that happen. Yeah, no, that's, that's incredible. And, you know, I also, besides moms listening to the podcast, I also get a lot of professionals listening and I know you have some things you do for professionals out there too. So if you could just chat about that quickly, cause I think you just started a new round, uh, if I'm correct. Yeah. So we, we do several different things. I would say, I mean, number one, we, we also train sleep consultants. So we have a program, um, where if any, you know, those that are interested in becoming certified, or even we have some that are already certified that want to deepen their practice and understand more about the development piece, that's an option. So we actually have, we're starting this week, um, another training and we have a a group of, we have a great group of women that are going to be joining us. Um, and I do trainings for, I previous, you know, prior to COVID, I did trainings in daycare centers where I really um, helped daycare centers understand appropriate awake windows and sleep schedules and how to set up a healthy sleep environment. And I work with a lot of brands as well that um, that have products that are related to sleep because I think another part of it is, you know, parents think like, oh, if I just buy this product, then my my child will just be this magical sleeper. But there's no magic product that is going to fix deep rooted sleep challenges. So, um, you know, I work with a lot of products on education and do takeovers and things like that. And then I would just say, lastly, I do work with a lot of local pediatricians offices and other medical providers that don't specialize necessarily in sleep that I can sort of, um, you know, speak to in a bit more depth. So really my goal is just to to support families and to educate families as much as possible. And so any brand or any company or practice that can benefit from that, I am, you know, happy to partner with. I love that. And I just, I, you know, I can tell you have such a heart for, for helping babies and families and it just shows in everything that you do because I see you just putting out so much amazing information and really trying to help a broad spectrum of people like me or like families. And so I just, I like that you have a lot of different ways where people can work with you and get really solid advice. And I'm just so grateful that I was able to have you on this show today because I think you've, I, I know that if I was listening to this show when I had a young baby first, I would probably definitely want to work with you. But second of all, I would just feel so much better. Like you said about the biggest challenge is a lot of parents just second guessing themselves, you know, and I think that's so, 
it's such a gift that we have the access to information that we do these days, but I think it leads to so much overthinking and second guessing. And it's just nice to hear like, yeah, that's pretty much what everyone's doing and you're not alone. So thank you for that. I really appreciate everything you've shared with us. Thank you. I appreciate those kind words. It's really honestly my pleasure to be here. And I share the same sentiment with with what you're offering families. And I hope you've gotten some referrals because I send a lot of people your way as well. And oh, thanks. it's just so important that we, I do, I have such a heart for it. And I really just, I, there's something so important about this work that just really fills my cup and fills my heart. And, and just knowing that families are, because sleep can really change so many areas of your life. And I know personally, I get like one bad night of sleep and I'm just not really the person that I want to be or the parent. And I'm sure my children can att- and my husband can attest to that. And so when you turn around and you see families thriving and marriages thriving and relationships thriving, it's really just, it's the reason that I do this. And so it's, you know, any way that I can, that people can have access to that and I can provide that for them. I really am happy to do it. Oh, that's so awesome. Well, thank you for being on the show, Rachel. I've so enjoyed talking to you today and I will link up Rachel's information in the show notes. So if you want to follow her, get a hold of her, take one of her courses, whatever it is, we'll have all the information there. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you so much. Did you know most moms stop breastfeeding in the first month postpartum? I believe succeeding at breastfeeding means having the right mindset. In fact, studies show that the number one factor that determines breastfeeding success is commitment, which is why I've created my incredible audio download of breastfeeding affirmations, where I give you actionable mantras so you can breastfeed your baby with confidence and peace of mind. And best of all, it's free. To get access to this audio and PDF, simply visit holisticlactation.com slash mantras, and you can get started right now.